0: dead dead hello hello and welcome to another episode of craft beer is dead <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Bree, the Pine Size Traveler, accompanied by.
1: Chris face. Hello, face. Internet. How are you today, tonight, whatever the hell you're doing?
0: Welp, hopefully you're doing just fabulous, and hopefully uh, this spooky, scary, uh, actually, episode 10. And how many spookies have we done? that I mean, five. This'll,
1: yeah, this will be the fifth. Right. 10 divided by two. <laughs> carry the one for no reason. <laughs> uh no this 10th episode double digits
0: yay how the I'm fuck excited. are we
1: yeah um so thank you very much everyone for for listening so far Um uh, and
0: for all the feedback i tell chris every single day i just can't fathom how many messages and how you guys will listen to an episode and then go back to our instagram to let us know what you're thinking and that to us is the raddest shit ever
1: no it's really cool too because like You know, we both kind of tackle different facets of this whole thing. So, you know, you handle the social media. I typically handle the whole, like, kind of production of things. And um, (laughs) it's funny because I usually have the analytics as far as what's happening and what's going on and what's working. And you have the the response. And we rarely talk about it to each other because we're idiots. No, I try to
0: send you the the good. You know, I say every day I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at this. Chris is like, sick.
1: Yeah, cool. (laughs) Cool, bro. Cool story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but uh, sincerely, thank you to everyone who who listens frequently, yep. um, and, and participates. also thank you for everyone who engages, and thank you to everyone who's left a review so far. Um, not to sound grabby, but like that helps us out immensely, especially on Apple Podcasts, where it kind of like throws us up a little bit higher in the yep. algorithm of things. So. If you like what we're doing, just throw it out there. It takes a couple seconds. Um, we'll read it. If you don't like what we're doing, we'll still read it, and we'll tailor things accordingly to make sure we suck less.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what we've kind of been doing is starting out with the beers up top. Um, being that this is a spooky scary, I kind of wanted to theme a little bit. Right? So,
0: hey, Doug. Hello. Hey, Doug. I am <laughs>
1: leaving that in. Fuck it. No, I wanted to theme it up a little bit. So, um nothing against it we live in a world nowadays where russian imperial stout doesn't mean russian imperial stout anymore all it means is crazy pastry uh added lactose added nuts of some sort added this 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 and they're great awesome keep doing them but when's the last time you've had just a russian imperial stout A very long time. Very long time. Very long time. (laughs) Now, have you had uh, this specific beer? And and for those of you not in the room, which is all of you, uh, North Post Old Rasputin Russian Imperial Stout. Have you had this one before?
0: No, I haven't. And he's smirking at me right now because this is just crazy ironic that this beer came up. Uh, for me twice in the same week because i have never had the beer um di- Ooh, that made a nice sound um did not know uh just how famous it really is uh until our good friend benny from commissioned beer chamber um actually almost kicked me out of his establishment a few days ago because i've never had this beer um so and chris just brought it out put it on the table and it was like, hey, have you ever had this before? I just couldn't help but laugh because I almost got evicted out of an establishment because of not having it. So thank you. Now that won't ever happen again.
1: So three things. One, commission to your chamber. Uh, if you haven't been and you're in Orlando, go check it out. Go. Now. Uh, right
0: now. Get in the car. Go.
1: Yeah. Uh, and he's been in the industry for years. He and his wife are a fucking powerhouse in the yeah. industry in our area. And so- they deserve nothing but support. They're doing it right. Yeah. And they've got a really cool brand. I mean, like, it's it's hard to go around and find, like, some sort of New York, you know, 90s hip-hop style crap yeah. beer bar that's killing it. Eh? And
0: that's not, you know tacky or forced or anything because i mean you meet him him and within 10 minutes i mean when i say he kicked me out of his establishment he goes get the fuck out of (laughs) here yeah
1: no and honestly it's like the one thing i noticed about that place too is it's so chill that like it's one of the few places i noticed is like my shoulders relaxed as soon as i stepped in i was like Alright, this place is dope
0: yeah that's a good point
1: um and i kind of second him on his opinion of kicking you the fuck out because i
0: know this
1: beer right here so I'm going back in the way, way back time machine of making myself sound super old in the industry, right? Where, you know, when when I started out, we were learning our palates essentially in Florida from the best of the rest of the US. There wasn't a lot of breweries, you know, really defining the beer movement or being kind of pioneering of any sort of styles or, or yeah. really like, and no offense to any of them at the time, um, but we just, we didn't have the same caliber as a lot of other places. Whereas North coast out of California, um, they've been doing this for years since uh, on the bottle here. It says 1988, so mm-hmm. almost as old as this old shit right here <laughs> across from you. Um, but every the reason why I picked them is, one, this kind of like was a benchmark of a standard of a Russian Imperial for me as a brewer. Mm-hmm. Like what I set out to, I still remember trying to clone this and tasting oh, it wow. side by side and yep. like probably bugging all my friends to try it next to it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But every Did you do like
0: blind tasting with them and mm-hmm. like really try to see oh, yeah, what they would? Oh yeah, really? they
1: probably fucking hated me for doing it, and they were really really nice. They we're like, oh yeah, it's great, oh, it's so it's good. good. Yeah, yeah. Also, do you have any more of that other one in the bottle that's <laughs> real? Um, no, but uh, every style I've had from them has been just kind of like a benchmark of what brewers should kind of be looking at. Scrimshaw mm-hmm. Pilsner is one of the ones that you can always find. Yeah. Um, Red Seal, Pale Ale, uh, one of the first breweries to use Centennial on a regular basis Hmm. uh, with that beer. Uh, It really struck a chord for me, and uh, why we incorporated it today is, being a Russian Imperial Stout, just a normal version of it, we're going to Russia. Have you ever been?
0: I haven't, but that country scares the shit out of me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why is that?
0: I think because I... Have a brain and it just should scare the shit out of you I That's mean. fair.
1: so if you think it's harsh now we're gonna go back in the time machine to 1915 or 59 right so you know pre-world oh, wow. war ii yeah how do you feel about it huh I like there's no sugar
0: no and that's there's why no it's nuts. it's really hard to it's harder to profile it because It's there's not any of the bullshit in it. So it's it's a lot more fun to try to dissect and not just be like, oh, that's hazelnut. There's some lactose, you know, like that's interesting. It's strong. Like it's very flavorful.
1: Oh, this one sits, I want to say, at around nine percent. It's got a really high finishing gravity on it. But also, too, if you notice, like the bitterness is super high, too. This is like that. like you know, before people started dropping the IBUs out of the Russian Imperials to kind of cover up the adjuncts and all that kind of stuff. This was the BJCP agreed-upon style, a Mm. little bit more historically accurate. So, enough of me sitting on my old man box of whatever. Um,
0: (laughs) I like that it's not lingering too long. Like, I could could sip this. Still tastes like a beer. Yeah, I couldn't drink the whole thing, but I definitely... Don't hate it.
1: Hey, hell yeah, good right. job, North Ghost.
0: Well, thanks for letting me try it. No, Same for sure. Benny shit in a hat. All right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> actually, don't. Every time that you got an opinion on something, she should try kick her the fuck out if she has hat I appreciate you. You're doing and the work. And he actually
0: poured me my first tip. I've never had Delirium, and he poured me my what first. What the shit? Okay, because I'm not gonna go fucking buy a twenty-five dollar mini bottle of beer. I'm sorry. I, I don't know where I you're Respect shopping. it total wine they're always all right, like very fair. expensive alright we'll
1: take time from now on I'll incorporate <laughs> trying, some old school like benchmarks yes. you should be hitting yes alright we'll call it the benchmark series because I had no I'll idea this about is about what
0: that. I should have been trying unless you t- tell me really I'm so glad
1: you didn't have it <laughs> so anyway speaking of Russia yeah yeah alright
0: He's been really stoked about this, you guys, so he's really stoked.
1: I brought this up, too, because you know, coming up, actually, the day this launches, I will be brewing uh, potentially what we're naming the beer is after this incident. Um, I've loved this story because, unfortunately, it's full of a lot of tragedy. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of mystery around it, too, but it is one of those ones where when you hear it and you go through a lot of the actual kind of details of it, you're left just kind of with a big "What the fuck?" Yeah, you know what I mean. So we'll set the scene. We're back in uh, January 25th in 1959. Um, there is a permit issued to a ten-party expedition led by Igor Dial Diod- or Diatlov. Diod- Holy fuck! Fucked it up right <laughs> off the bat. It's called the Love Pass.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's
1: the Love Pass yeah. incident. Is the uh, is the name of the entire incident there? Um, Igor is the one leading it. Um most of them young people, eight guys, two girls. One of them's actually a uh, an instructor from a local university. Mm-hmm. Um and one of the big reasons why they decided to do this expedition um was to kind of get like a one of the most renowned certifications for cross-country skiing you could possibly get. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so they're up in the Ural Mountains. It's so bes- it was not
0: research or anything. It was just for so
1: people had done it before um they've done this like this specific course a couple times it was going up to that's
0: not at all what i thought it was already off the bat yeah the
1: holichal mountain Mm -hmm. um and so this was specifically like a two-week kind of journey um Mm. and to give you some perspective as far as what sort of environment they were going to be in ural mountains is kind of like over near the siberian aspect of things um very very cold temperatures that's
0: how we picture all of russia so that's already kind of my like mental image so i'm glad that you're solidifying it for everybody essentially
1: (laughs) and not to sound like stereotypical they're going to be walking through what you think russia looks like outside of the big pointy buildings okay right um so it's going to be upwards of negative 40 degrees um (laughs) we're looking at what uh russia categorizes as a category three territory which even russia admits is the most difficult terrain to be able to like pass through Hmm. so um, one thing to be said about a lot of these people in the expedition if not all of them is that these aren't inexperienced mountaineers. Um, they've done this multiple times they have multiple certifications under the belt they know the, tr- the protocol um, they know how to plan for the worst possible case scenario. Um, one of the big things that they pointed out in some of the, the readings that I was looking through was um, you know they would they would set stashes. Uh, to kind of lighten their workload as they were kind of going further yeah. and further towards the mountain They would drop more and more things knowing mm-hmm. that on their way back They could utilize those a little bit more efficiently. So these were they had a really good understanding as far good strategies as strategies. Oh, absolutely yeah,
0: Telling that they've done this before so
1: when we go over what happens uh, Basically the big key point here is it's not lack of experience that caused mm-hmm. anything that uh, okay. that's about to unfold so um, they were looking to gain an astounding uh, ski certification. Looking to cover three hundred kilometers over the trip, which is uh, near six hundred miles. Oh shit! Yeah, so this is this is wow. a big endeavor. I get so, winded
0: at seven miles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I get winded at three kilometers. Um, so it initially started off, like I said, with ten people, eight gentlemen, two women, um, and there as they approached the last uh, settlement, a very very outskirts settlement. Um, going towards where they would essentially just leave off and not come into contact with anybody in civilization for essentially two weeks, Um, one of the guys, Eri Udin, uh, stayed behind because unfortunately he felt a little ill. He wasn't feeling up to it. He felt he'd be more of a detriment to the crew, a detriment to the party, and so he decided to kind of hold back and maybe just kind of work his way back towards civilization and just kind of be a liaison more or less to what was going on. Um, So the crew set out. Uh, we have a pretty good amount of journals, photographs, those kind of things as far as what they were doing. Um, there really wasn't much else than what you'd expect. A lot of like long, arduous uh, skiing paths, those kind of things, setting up camp pretty early, digging out certain areas for the tent because they are in a really heavy snow environment, sometimes storms, sometimes not. Um, and about six days in they reached the near the mountain where they were essentially trying to get, right? Um, The following day, a massive snowstorm comes in and derails their path completely. Now, realizing that they're on the wrong side of the mountain, they decide to set up a camp. this isn't uncommon from what I was reading with, with a lot of mountain trips and, and yeah. those kind of things. Um, they just kind of all right, where do we now Especially like,
0: back then, how good yeah. was their weather projections and stuff, right? And that's the
1: thing, it's nineteen fifty nine. You yeah. don't just sit there and call down to base camp and go, hey, yeah. you know, what what's the the cloud pattern? And there's like. probably not
0: there's not even like a weather channel or anything like that, yeah. you know. So.
1: And then also keep in mind too, and I don't know about you, I'm a huge gearhead. I love climbing. Like, for those of you who don't know, I'm big into climbing, mm-hmm. big into outdoor stuff, like um, there's a lot to be said about the amount of technology and the amount of effort that goes into minimalistic, efficient kind of goods, right? Yeah. Whereas back then, I'm sure that same dedication was there, but, but the actual- it was actual, heavy
0: yeah. and it wasn't like composite or plastic. It was like metal and yeah, just so you're, bulky shit.
1: Not only are you skiing <clears throat> almost 600 miles, cross-country skiing, so you're not like going downhill the whole no. time. You're probably carrying just a good shuffling. 150 <laughs> pounds on your back the whole time. Like this Ooh. isn't- just, like, a, a path of, like, oh, this will be fantastic. It's yeah. it's a grueling, arduous kind of thing. Can
0: you remind me why people do this again?
1: Um, <laughs> I guess the certified badass
0: kind of thing, man. Like, <laughs> I'm I, just more kidding. respect <laughs> to you. Don't get me wrong. Like, no, I don't want to do 100%. it. No,
1: 100%. There are certain kind of climbs and stuff that I want to do, but also, like.
0: Like, I would feel like a badass on, like, a 2 day Three dayer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. I would get my jollies on that. But.
1: but also again, we're we're talking about people who are going for one of the highest ski certifications yeah. uh, throughout the world. Like you would
0: moment. do this crazy shit for a certification for oh, bouldering yeah. and stuff, so for bouldering it,
1: for brewing, yeah. whatever. Like yeah. <laughs> sign me up, I'm, I'm fucking there. So You're again, right. um they're a little about seven days in, so about halfway through. Um they've gotten off the rails a little bit, they decide that they're gonna go ahead and set up camp on the west side of the mountain. They were supposed to go towards it. Um, they found themselves on the wrong side, unfortunately. Now, um, this is where it gets a little weird because investigators kind of start looking at, all right, well, why set up there knowing that, you know, geographically speaking, it could have had some some pinch points They were out in the open. A lot of times you want to make sure you're covering yourself from any sort of wind or yeah. gusts or those kind of things, any sort of the elements, right? Um, you're also downhill from a pretty hefty area. And one of the big things, too, that might pop up a little bit later is um, you're in Monzi tribe territory. So it's a local tribe that has made it blatantly obvious that they don't really want a lot of outcomers in the area. Hmm. There's been some hostile situations before. Um, and What so, are they
0: closer to? Like Eskimos or Native Americans? Like what would you, do you know? Kind or? of a
1: mixture of both, yeah. really. I mean, they, like these are the kind of people who are Like Hudson where, stuff,
0: right? I mean, like very... No, they're, they're <laughs> yeah, living like, off
1: like the lay of the okay. land in a very desolate environment. I mean, okay. we're not talking about people who are... Growing crops and those kind of things. Yeah. They're they're it's hunting, the they gathering, like, exactly. okay. like they're stockpiling.
0: I didn't even um, think about tribes being out there. Yeah, and that's shit. Th- like and these huh. are all these different variants. So, that's so crazy. as we
1: start going through all these different kind of you know, little key points of what happens, there's it's important to remember all the things that are going on around them, right? Mm-hmm. So they set up camp, um, and as time goes on, it's been about again. Two weeks was the the frame of reference as far as when uh, things should have ended. Or Igor himself, I Love, was planning on getting back to the the town they left Yuri in, and sending a telegraph as soon as they reached back, so that way the friends and their family wouldn't yeah. be worrying about him. Um, now, unfortunately, it, it it was almost about two months till anybody had actually heard from them, and, and as time was and going on. And they heard
0: on, from them. No.
1: Uh, no one had heard from them for so two months. Two,
0: but then they heard from them two months later. No, no, nothing. So, not. So, it, at this so point, it's period. two months later. Period. They did later. not. Okay, yeah. okay.
1: Got gotcha. um, Now, granted, with these trips and stuff like that, two weeks is the like the the estimated time. Um, but it's not uncommon for things to go awry. It's not yeah. uncommon for them to take a little bit longer. But
0: but that's a very long time. That's a big difference. Even people at
1: the university they had left, you know, their friends, their family are starting to think like, even if they are alive and nothing has happened. They don't have the supplies to be able to get out of there in an efficient manner. Something must be wrong. Yeah. So they, they kind of drove up a little um, little search party and they start going into things.
0: That took a really long time to get a search party It's going. also
1: Russia. They're like, yeah, they're probably fine.
0: They're, yeah, they're just like, they'll be fine. They'll make it home at some yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> they
1: kill bears, sleep yeah, inside. Yeah, they sleep
0: inside it. <laughs> yeah,
1: they become bear, run bear organizations, drink vodkas, and now they come back as bear. Sorry, Russia. I didn't see you guys on the list, but we probably just lost the listener there, too. Um, so while they were not doing that, uh, February 20th, search party was finally formed. Uh, they searched for six days. They followed the same path. Um, again, they were heading towards this specific mountain, which, uh, let me look in my notes real quick, was called the Palachal Mountain. Right? Okay. I probably butchered that. And I'm sorry if I did. But the interesting thing about that is it roughly translated in Manzi to don't go there.
0: That's amazing. Yeah,
1: it's literally called, like, just don't go there. Just don't. Yeah, shit happens, (laughs) man. Um, (laughs) So six days into the search, they come across the scene, right? At this point, there are many strange findings that just don't seem to provide a logical answer. No one's at the camp. They find the camp. Hmm. Uh, The scene, like, lies in ruins, and it seems as though some catastrophic event has happened due to the camp being slightly strewn about. But not superficially so to where a lot of things not are like thrown around. Not like a storm,
0: around. like it didn't just throw yeah. stuff around? Yeah, so it just nothing's like weird. covered
1: in snow. There's still oh. like some skis standing up. Oh, like, wow. But also like some things are Look kind like, of thrown around a little bit yeah. too to where Struggle. like... Struggle. Yeah, maybe. Ish. Possibly. Um, <laughs> the first concerning discovery is that the tent that all the members had shared had been slashed open from the inside. So... Nearly all their possessions were left behind, including food, warm clothing, those kind of things. And one thing to note about the photographs of the campsite is just how many things in the area around that tent looked untouched. Again, we have ski poles standing. We have a uh, little kind of sculpture that they had made with wood in their Were in their all downtown. their
0: skis there, too?
1: Most of them, yeah. Yeah.
0: Huh.
1: Um, so later on, we're not going to find anything as far as skis go. I don't think anyone took off that way. Okay. Um, the first concerning discovery is that the tent. Oh, we already talked about that. So not long after that, they're looking around and they find a pair of footprints uh, leading into a tree line on the horizon. So we've got, let's let's say that we're at the tent, right? Mm-hmm. We've got the mountaintop to our east, about 300 meters away. It's pretty close. Um, the tree line is about 270, 275 meters away off to the north.
0: So why wouldn't they use the tree line for coverage and Camp originally, right? Exactly. Okay. These are experienced it's just mountaineers. Just all just super. Yeah. Just to and start. that's the thing okay. is
1: like they were they were just close enough to be able to walk the extra two hundred feet. Because that's blocks.
0: that blocks. I mean that's a lot of coverage. Exactly. Okay.
1: So they find this set of footprints. Upon following the search party, discover the remnants of a fire that had been set between a few trees, and two frozen bodies wearing only their underwear. So we have found two of the ten people. I'm sorry, the nine at this point, nine people. Um, keep in mind, nightly temperature here gets down to negative 40 degrees. Now, I wasn't even able to tell. I couldn't find specifically whether they meant Fahrenheit or Celsius. If it's Fahrenheit, it's already bad enough. It's If it's Celsius, like, you just die, like, quickly.
0: I mean, because that's also very feasible for it to be Celsius. Like, Absolutely. it could have been negative 100 yeah. yeah and
1: that specific mountain range like if yeah. you're looking at you know 60 mile an hour gusts in a yeah. blizzard with that sort of like there's no especially if two of them already as we've learned are sitting in their underwear yeah
0: that would never you wouldn't even be in your underwear to pee you wouldn't there's never a time where you'd be that unclothed on your own
1: exactly so at this point um they find the two Um, and then as they start looking around, again, there's a little bit of snow, uh, on the ground between the tent and these two bodies they found in the tree line. Um, they start combing the area a little bit. They find three more bodies all kind of facing towards the camp itself from the tree line. So, and these are all strewn about. They're not collectively together. It's as though maybe they had been on the tree line, but also started to kind of try to climb back toward the tent itself, right?
0: Were they naked too?
1: They were all in their underwear as well. So... At this point, they found five out of the nine bodies. Um, With obvious signs of hypothermia and frostbite, it's safely assumed that they had frozen to death. The fact that one of the hikers near the actual fire itself had a small fracture in his skull was quickly dismissed. So, as time goes on, they still couldn't account for the whereabouts of the remaining four hikers. So, they get the five bodies out of the way. They started an investigation, um, but because of the area and because of the, the temperatures and those kind of things, they can't really do a lot of searching. Because but Did
0: of, they do autopsies?
1: They did autopsies. They did yeah, actual yeah, autopsies. Okay. Exactly. So that On is like one specifically. Because
0: okay. it, it made it sound a little bit like they got there, like, oh, clearly hypothermia, and like that was just ruled out, no, but these, they actually these did These five
1: it. they found, again, they found five out of nine so mm-hmm. far. These five that they have found, it, is, it essentially just looks like they froze to death. Okay. Right? But they're also in their underwear, yeah. um, and the one thing that did kind of pop up was that dismissed kind of skull fracture on one of them uh, near the actual tree line right Mm. so the search continued but it wasn't until two months later after the frost had thawed out that they had finally discovered the remaining four bodies on may 4th the remaining bodies were found in a roughly 10 foot pile of snow roughly 80 yards from where the first bodies had been discovered however these bodies were found in a much more perilous state than the original five two of the bodies Oh, come on, computer. There we go. Two of the bodies had severe internal bleeding due to massive injuries sustained to their chest. One had multiple serious skull fractures. Two of the four were missing their eyes. And lastly, one female hiker's tongue was missing. Evidence concluded that it had been separated while she was still alive. The coroner noted that the injuries must have been caused by a massive force, more akin to something like a car crash. However these were internal and not superficial injuries so it's not like it looks like they just got like a massive didn't get hit
0: because then it would be external too exactly so
1: so there's no bruising there's no really anything like that but it's it looks as though their skull had been crushed in or their chest had been caved in or their eyes and their their tongue might be missing right it was also noted that the trauma was highly unlikely due to man or uh, was highly unlikely to be man-made due to the sheer force needed to inflict these styles of wounds. All in all, it was concluded that six hikers froze to death and that the other three died to the trauma of their injuries, meaning that they probably were still like alive temperature-wise, yeah. uh, but these injuries specifically caused them that amount of harm. The case was closed, stating that the hikers all collectively had died from supernatural force which had never really been concluded. What as the a,
0: fuck does that mean?
1: Exactly. And this is where it gets fucking weird. Once the the autopsy concluded that on all the bodies, uh, the files were classified and kept from the public completely. So we have nine hikers, five of which almost obviously have kind of frozen to death. One of them has skull fractures, but the other four that they have found have massive trauma to, you know, their internal mm-hmm. in- organs, bleeding, those kind of things. Um, So that's where it starts getting a little weird as far as, like, what could have caused that specifically? Were Um, the
0: clothes still there or were the clothes missing and they were just naked?
1: So the ones that – it's kind of frustrating because when they first talk about the original five, they mention specifically the underwear thing. Yeah. Um, When they start talking about the last four, there are some remnants of clothing. One has a shoe on. Uh, but it's th- like
0: jackets are not there. And no, like, it's stuff not like that. they're grabbing their
1: down. Like, they're not grabbing like those kind of things. It's yeah. literally just like kind of hodgepodge together. One guy had like a shirt tied around his leg, hmm. like those kind of things. Of like it's there was no obvious intent when something, if something did happen, to bundle up and go out into the, the, the like the the yeah. But I'm will. just
0: thinking like it sounds a little like no. Well, you you go. Yeah. I'll go later. So.
1: A um, couple things to denote after all this: to get the bodies out of there, everything's been classified. Again, it's classified as a supernatural force that is. That I can't is believe killed. that's
0: a category. Isn't
1: that <laughs> fucking insane? And so that right there kind of throws a red flag mm-hmm. for a lot of the friends, the family members, Absolutely. and even ones skeptical as far as you know what the. And, and not, I, I think we all have this stereotype that the Russian military or government is up to holding things from the the public. But the word
0: supernatural like supernatural force basically just says even
1: the coroner goes i don't fucking know yes
0: supernatural force that's just insane
1: there's a couple things that pop up as far as just weird strangeness high strangeness kind of things afterwards Mm -hmm. right so um one of them being that there was a high level of radiation found on a couple of the articles of clothing okay um now i looked into that one too and not to discredit it but not so to kind of take a little bit of the credit away as like a oh that definitely means something but uh, one of the guys of the the actual trip worked at a nuclear power plant, and so that could account for the high levels of radiation on his clothing specifically. If it were to absorb it, I don't understand radiation so much as to say that like it charges it up or Isn't anything like that. Isn't
0: Russia kind of pretty radioactive?
1: It could essentially. Be, I don't. I don't know, man. There's there's you know you could argue that like you know there's a lot of radioactivity or uh, radioactive activity uh, from the sun off the snow. Those kind of things too, mm. to where that could charge it up. So. Okay. Not to say that it doesn't hold any sort of ground, but also it may not mean immediately, oh, it's aliens. No, I wouldn't think that at all. Yeah. But there were a couple of other things to kind of point out that, again, there's no obvious explanation for or nothing that anybody could derive off of any sort of personal experience they've had. So the family members at the funeral noted that the skin of the victims looked orangish and that all their hair had turned gray. Um, Another climbing party, uh, when when they basically surveyed the area and asked any of the the people in that area if they had seen anything, Uh, another climbing party nearly 25 miles to the south noted strange orange lights in the sky, almost as though there were orbs. Uh, These were also not only confirmed by local villages further away in that area, but also by meteorologists and military personnel specifically in that area as well. So that, again, right there, kind of to me, you've got four or five... Events that are being um, kind of told in a similar fashion and none of these people have talked to each other. Hmm. So that that's a little fishy already. And then also the fact that they have the military personnel kind of like leaning into it too. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say that they're low level but these are grounds people just at a certain facility in that area. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just weren't told to be kept quiet. Maybe they... Uh, I was going to say
0: that sounds like a very un-Russian thing to do is exactly. talk.
1: <laughs> so maybe they're just leaning into it and be like, oh, we're hiding in plain sight but also at the same time maybe it's just fucking weird. Yeah. You know? Hmm. Hmm.
0: I have a slight theory.
1: All right, so main questions before we get to the theory, right? Why leave the tent involuntarily?
0: Slash mm-hmm. from
1: the inside, wearing yeah. only your underwear, right? Um, These are, again, these are highly skilled mountaineers. They should know what to do in precarious situations like this. Um, and there are certain theories. You want to go through some of the theories specifically before?
0: Yeah, for okay.
1: sure. So, some of the theories one, Monzi tribe attack. Okay, so maybe they are immediately intimidated, like a lot of military personnel these days will kind of use the shock and awe effect where they they swarm in, Uh, you don't really feel like you have control and you just kind of listen to what they ask you to do, Mm -hmm. right? So maybe something happens to where they're driven out of their camp, Um, they're not able to get back to it fast enough and the elements kind of, uh, they succumb to the elements more or less. We also have the idea of military involvement. So some people have speculated that because there were some test sites in the area, Uh, Because, you know, what we all stereotypically perceive the Russian military to be up to. Yeah. That essentially maybe they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe witnessed something that uh, they weren't supposed to witness based off the accounts of the orange lights, right? Based off the accounts that we have that weird orange skin, gray hair. Also maybe some radioactivity kind of thing. Um, Nothing's off the books just yet. Um, And then some very far out there ones, which... I'm not going to say it's far out there because I don't believe they exist, but some people say specifically aliens of some sort, right? So, but also, like, I, I just can't see a chain of, me personally, can't see a chain of events that would lead to something like that, right? Yeah. Um, no. So, with with all that information, what, what do you think happened on that night? Aliens. No. Yeah? No. I was about to say, what? Fuck no. Jesus? You will
0: literally never hear me say it was the aliens.
1: Alright, I'm gonna change that fucking mindset because there are a few stories I've heard before yeah. where I'm like,
0: um, it's hard to say no, that it and wasn't. I, I'm going to reword that. I 100 percent firm believer in aliens. I just need it to be like 30, 40 people saw the same thing in the sky, yeah, no, nah, 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 same night, like type of thing, and it be actually like geared towards aliens i'm not gonna hear a story like this and my first thought be like oh aliens like that's more or less what i mean Mm -hmm. you know yeah so i'm definitely leaning towards the tribe for sure um saying that um do you know what time of the day which is a super annoyingly specific do you know what time of the day people were claiming that they saw like the orange glow from the sky Like, during the day, nighttime, like, doesn't say? I Totally fine. Yeah, I
1: can't specifically, but I can argue that when I was living up, not in Russia, obviously, but along that same kind of northern latitude area, um, around that time of the year, you're looking at a lot of darkness. Anywhere from, you know, 4 in the afternoon to upwards of, like, 11 in the morning. So, like, you have a pretty big window to see that kind of thing going on.
0: So, theory number one is that it was like gas and sunlight kind of made an orange glow come up and that's also kind of where my theory's going on why they cut themselves out of the tent um theoretically if this tribe has been there for a very long time uh we'll say you know some witch doctor shit you know they could find some herbs and this and that and that make some type of gas bomb some type of gas put that in the tent lock them up, you know, they're freaking the fuck out. They had to cut themselves out. Sure. And then with sunlight and gas, like, sometimes that, like, has a glowing effect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially, like, fire smoke kind of makes the sky look orange sometimes. Yeah, you get a
1: tent kind of in the sky. Exactly. It can be very unsettling if it's not something you're expecting.
0: Yeah. So I kind of think that if they're in, like, hostile territory, that it's just super odd, like, all their clothes being gone and stuff. Kind of makes me think that they took them as, you know, when are we going to get this opportunity again to get some warmer, more modern clothes and stuff for survival. Um, The eyeball and tongue thing, it's a tribe, you know? It's It's a tribe that is not in human contact or civilization, and they tend to do some really weird shit sometimes, you know? So that also kind of goes a little bit more into my theory.
1: So, and on that that realm too, like not to disprove, because yeah. I agree with you on that. That's definitely an interesting perspective on it. But specifically too, like what about the internal injuries?
0: So internal injuries, I'm also kind of thinking a lot of poisons have a really weird effect on people where it causes internal bleeding, but doesn't like hemorrhage or cause bruising, okay. you know, so that also is kind of leaning more towards in the tribe just has some like random mix of herbs and spices that cause you to internally bleed, but not show signs of it. Cause I'm pretty sure we have chemicals and like cyanide and shit oh, like yeah. that kind of has that effect.
1: So I like that theory too, because it's not something that I had actually considered. So okay. when it, when I heard the, the Monzi tribe attack kind of aspect of it, I kind of wrote that off pretty quickly. Because it's not,
0: like, bloodshed and, like... Yeah, like, know. there's
1: no... And not to say that tribalism denotes any sort of specific attack mentality, but, like, if they're trying to protect their territory, if they're going in guns blazing and they're trying to, like, really... like them in a submissive role very quickly there's a lot of really easy ways to do that and I, yeah. like making them cut themselves out of a tent and those kind of things like i don't know it's, yeah. it's highly possible yeah. you know what i mean but
0: they, maybe they were trying to like knock them out maybe they were sleeping and then that was like there it was nighttime or and they put some gas in there and try to yeah, knock them out. maybe there's an
1: exploratory party that comes in and as like trying to mess with them they lock themselves in their tent or whatever and or lock the party in the tent or whatever and then they have to get out that way who fucking knows man mm-hmm. um that one didn't hit too hard for for me specifically. Hmm. Uh, the military one, when I started reading into this, I'm like, on
0: this f- fence of that being the, the other thing. theory, though, and that they could also make it look like the tribe because the eyes and the the tongue thing, like all of that, sounds very tribal. But then it also sounds a little too convenient, kind of, so that if they know that there's hostile, you know, tribes in the area, the military, they saw some shit, the glow. Could have been trying some new stuff. They weren't supposed to see it. 100% like very close second theory.
1: That's one of the big things too is like orange glow. Mm -hmm. Orange spheres in the night. Yeah, yeah. No, that's sticking with me. The skin is orange. Yeah. So like what does that mean specifically? Maybe there is some sort of radiation aspect. Radiation,
0: poison, something. You have to, I don't know.
1: But also the way the bodies are found. We have five specifically Mm -hmm. that are almost unscathed. Completely, other than the hypothermia and the frostbite and all those kind of things. But then we also have four, like very specifically in a tight group, all clumped together that have horrendous like injuries. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. Why them
0: and not them? Why not all of them? Yeah.
1: So um, it's funny because this is essentially the point where the story had always left off for me whenever Mm -hmm. I listened to it or read about it or whatever it was because it had always just been kind of left up to this. Unsolved mystery of of certain accounts, right? Yeah. Um, and it was really funny because I'd always planned on doing this for this show, and as I was like doing more research as this like over the last week, uh, I I found that the Russian government essentially did another investigation this year and concluded it in July of twenty twenty. That's just so
0: random of a year to dig something like that. Up. I mean, they
1: got fucking time. Like, everyone's just sitting around doing nothing.
0: <laughs> so true.
1: Yeah. So um, it's... All right. I'll spell it out, right? mm mm-hmm. um, I will say off the bat that it kind of disregards some of the, like, the high strangeness factors and some of the weirdness aspects of things. Um, it makes a lot of logical sense. Mm-hmm. It really does. But there, again, there are some things, for me specifically, that, like, stand out as a, yeah, but what about this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. So according to, let's see here, according to the the report in July of 2020, it states that the entire incident was caused by an avalanche. (laughs) Okay? Upon being covered up, um, they left the tent, cutting it out from the inside, all headed to the tree line uh, for coverage against a blizzard. They had lit a fire, trying to keep themselves warm, which may have worked for about 30 to 45 minutes in that that sort of temperature range, right? Once the first two hikers froze to death, the group decided to split up or at least try to head back towards the camp. Right? To at least maybe get some sort yeah. of clothing belongings, yeah. whatever it may be. The three found strewn between the camp and the tree line likely got lost and froze to death very quickly in the negative 40 degree temperatures. Um, it was said the remaining four tried to find cover uh, midway to the tent. By, Naked? Uh, yeah, exactly. Jesus Trying to this find fucking cover,
0: Christ. <laughs>
1: um, and eventually hit a hollow pocket of snow causing them to fall nearly 15 feet into a crevasse, Mm. causing their wounds, and were subsequently buried there, under the weight of the snow, not being able to be found until literally two and a half months later, with their eyeballs and their tongue and their lips missing. I forgot about the lips part, by the way. You
0: did forget the lips.
1: So, and honestly, too, that was one thing where eyeballs was weird, and this is going to be really gross, but it's a reality of things, like oftentimes when bodies a bird
0: or something can yeah, get eyeballs not
1: even human bodies but bodies specifically yeah. when they are kind of just the eyes left are usually wilderness gone first uh it's all the soft materials yeah it's, it's the eyes the tongue the Never. lips some of the other gross parts that we won't talk about yeah. now but um now? <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll get into it that's a that's episode 20 if you're you guys in <laughs> uh no but so like those things are missing but also when they found them it wasn't accessible through any sort of actual, like, pathway for any creature in the area. They were literally underneath 10 to 15 feet of snow, and there were no, like, you know, pit holes. And the like avalanche, so
0: what it, what, where did the uh, tracks come from then?
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I'm you trying said to
0: remember that. the little details, and it's just not making here's, sense.
1: Here's and it, That does sound logically and linearly like a perfect fit. All that does sound completely possible. where's the foot tracks? Um, And actually, real quick, too, um, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about that in a second. But um, one big thing when we're talking about finding them in their underwear, Mm -hmm. most of them, if not all of them, are found in their underwear specifically. So either they're getting the fuck out of Dodge quick, for some reason specifically, they're in a position to where they're not allowed to uh, grab any sort of clothing, food, anything like that. Or three um they're going through something it's a a certain stage of hypothermia called paradoxical undressing have you heard of this
0: isn't it you're delusionally thinking it's making you warmer or something yeah Yeah.
1: so in in, um some people who go through hypothermic stages uh find this eventually which is why you know you know with uh some of the seven summits or higher climbing destinations you'll you'll find bodies strewn apart like Mm -hmm. the higher parts of the summit And they typically don't bring them down. It's like this weird macabre reminder, but also probably a pain in the ass to try to bring it down. But some of them every now and then won't be covered up in more than just maybe a pair of pants and a shirt in what could be negative 30 degree environments, right?
0: But that's not something that like a group of like, even if you held this as an experiment, like what is the probability that nine people all suffer from that at the same time?
1: Thank you. (laughs) Uh, two points on that. One, it's studies have shown that paradoxical undressing usually only manifests itself in 25 to 30% of hypothermia victims. So So that's one thing. So for all nine out of nine to actually experience something like that is, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it didn't happen. But what I am saying is that like statistically speaking, that should not have happened. Two, to get paradoxical undressing, they would have to start warm and then start freezing oh. why don't they have their clothes with them why did they if they were um. in an avalanche if they're covered in snow why not at least yeah. making attempt? these are experienced mountaineers they do they're they're cutting themselves out of a tent as exactly. a last-ditch effort to make a way out to something else because of what they're in is so bad yeah. that they can't go any further and unless- they
0: know that they're not going to survive without those clothes like they're they're competent people in this you know specifically so even if it's a rush freak the fuck out the quick grab of your jacket and pants to them put it on later or something like even if that's not going to kill you you have to know that you're going to die if you don't have any clothes with you in this type of environment so i just don't think that logically even how scared they were that they would one they're not going to be sleeping naked that's just not gonna happen anyway. You know, like why, what would make them all either suffering from that? It's just whatever. It's just not fucking possible.
1: So not that's the one. Yeah, there's that one. And then there's also, like you would kind of point it out too. How, if there's an avalanche, are you still finding footprints? Exactly. How, if there's an avalanche, are you still having skis standing up as though they've exactly. been stored? How, if there's an avalanche, are you still finding small sculpture that they made in their downtime? I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, I've seen a lot of the Flip Cup videos where, like, <laughs> you don't get it every time. It's just every now and then you get it just right. But also to get all that the shit just right is kind of weird. Um, I don't know. That's kind of where, like, there's really no other information outside of that other than those kind of things. The Monzi tribe was kind of, like, dismissed um, specifically because uh, the just sh- the sheer impact on those two bodies, like, something... Yeah hit them so fucking hard that like it could not have been man-made like something basically fractured them from the inside yet had nothing to do with their outside
0: so how many different scenarios did they give on what could even remotely be a possibility with that like what like so there's no bruising on that how like i'm thinking in my head if if i was a very very large Person, like, think of you know, I don't know, in a tribe, a freak of nature of a person, you know what I mean? And he takes you and wraps you around a tree, you know, like, just can, like and just you. exactly like yeah. something like that. But then you're gonna have external.
1: Yeah, more or less. And then marking, that's, that's so. what I, I should point out too when I say superficial, um, it said <laughs> superficial wounds, uh, died from internal trauma, those kind of things too. Um, If there was bruising, they didn't denote that it was there, right? So it's highly possible Maybe there was, right? So maybe there is Because then that would
0: make a lot more sense because, I mean, it still is like a little improbable, but we've seen strong men, you know, we've seen people who are just naturally just fucking monsters and to just take someone like a rag doll and bear hug them, like you said, or something like that, I think is... Like one of the
1: weirdest injuries I've ever had was I cracked a rib Mm -hmm. um, just by over-extenuating during a specific move of something (laughs) while climbing, right? And like there was no bruising, there was no nothing, but like I couldn't breathe heavily, I couldn't like laugh, talk very much or anything like that. Um, So it is possible for there to be a massive injury inside a, a human body without any sort of outside physical aspect of things. Yeah. Again, that's a very good Not if there's, like, but if
0: something's, that. like, broken, broken, I feel like then you have to see something. If stuff's just, like, internally bleeding, I think that you can do that chemically induced or, like, other yep, ways sure. like that, you know what I mean? But you can't just break shit, like, you know.
1: So when you asked about really out there theories, mm-hmm. two more that I came across that I didn't really bring up because they were <laughs> very ridiculous. much out there, like, what the fuck. Yeah. Um, one, a Yeti. Right. So maybe they're like, oh, fuck, what the fuck is that? And they cut themselves out while maybe it's like peeking through the, the door of the tent or whatever. And they all run away in their underwear because they're too terrified or whatever it is. Uh, I know
0: this is ridiculous, but doesn't it,
1: isn't but it, does it almost
0: fit. naive to think that there isn't anything crazy that could live out there as if We had yeah. fucking dinosaurs, man, you know, like. I don't know. It just when I hear Bigfoot and stuff like that, it just doesn't seem that impractical because it's just
1: like because to me, I was just like, I could see that because like they get scared away, (laughs) Scooby Doo style, they yeah, and then run out into the woods or whatever. (laughs) They see it like hiking around the camp. But then after a while, it kind of, like, just kind of goes away. They're all in their underwear, and two of their friends have died. Yeah. So they're like, shit, we got to get back to camp. And they freeze to the death on the way back. Exactly. And then maybe it finds the other four trying to make it back, throws them in a big fucking hole. Who knows, man? Bites exactly. It. Oh, my God. I know. I, it, I'm I agree. I'm not saying it's possible. I'm just saying it's possible. <laughs> And, and there's
0: also multiple things that could have happened simultaneously, mm-hmm. which is also a possibility. You know, it's like maybe there was military shit happening and that explains the orange glow. And then at the same time, they were getting fucked up by the abominable snowman. This
1: is going to be a weird <laughs> plug for a book I just read it's called <laughs> De-Evolution, right? It was by the same guy who just uh, who wrote uh, World War Z. You ever read that one? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I watched. it. I didn't read it, but it was good. So same premise, right?
1: (laughs) Um, But just like one of those like weird, out there kind of like what if scenarios, right? They talk about this like hippie village that's all completely green, off the grid. Those kind of things up in the mountains of Washington, right outside of Rainier. Rainier, uh, active volcano which hasn't gone Mm. off in years, eventually does go off, right? And so it cuts this this community off completely. Now all these animals are trying to flee out of the forest. And this isn't necessarily a spoiler alert or spoiler alert, but uh, it's on the book saying that it's going to happen. But upon these animals all fleeing, passing by this specific organization, there is a tribe of Bigfoot. A tribe. Yeah, yeah, it's a tribe of Bigfoot. They just happen to find it is also
0: ignorant to think there's only one. I mean,
1: yo, and they're hungry, and uh, melancholy ensues. Um, (laughs) But along that same kind of line, too, like again. Yeti was one of the, the big kind of out there theories. Number two, and I won't ex- like pretend to understand this enough, but uh, one of the theories that I, I had heard is that in specific regions with specific energy fields, whether it be radiation, whether it be uh, some sort of solar activity, it could be anything potentially that could resonate out as a sort of energy that we are not familiar with, right? Maybe okay. a crossover of a plane, maybe some sort of uh, um, vibration or whatever it may be. Okay. One thing that I have heard, and actually I want to touch on last podcast on the left, I think this is one of their theories, um, was that, and I'm probably butchering it, but the gist of it being that something caused so much energy that – what made it a painful environment for them to be where they were at the time, whether it be through sound, vibration, heat, whatever it could have been through things that maybe we don't fully understand, which does fit the narrative of the orange light, yeah. which does fit the narrative of the orange skin, the gray hair, those kind of yeah. things. Which could potentially fit the narrative of the injuries And internally. taking the clothes off and, and feeling the, like yeah. their
0: mental competency just went somewhere. thousand
1: percent. And yeah. cutting the tent open specifically to escape from whatever it is they are feeling. It's almost like feeling. they could have been
0: having like a bad trip without yeah. like ingesting something, you know?
1: Exactly. So like, and again, it's a very loose theory. There's not a lot of basis on it. I thought it was going to be a
0: lot crazier. Both of those I thought were going to be like way more what the fuck, but it's like...
1: Also think of it this way too. (laughs) Like they are more what the fuck. Yeah. Or like just kind of storybook speaking. If I say an avalanche did this, 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 and this, if I would have started the narrative with an avalanche caused nine hikers to die, you would have been like, oh yeah, shit. Makes sense. That's tragic, but it happened. Yeah. But then when you start going through all the different, like, scenarios of it and you look at, oh, Bigfoot or sound vibrations, you're (laughs) like, you sound like a crazy person. But when you know it, it doesn't sound that weird, right? No. So. And um, the fact
0: that there's so many theories is kind of shitty for those hikers, you know? It really is. It's just so improbable that it's ever going to get figured out,
1: especially now. Yeah, I mean, with this recent investigation, they've they've technically concluded it yeah. as a, a finished case. It's no longer a supernatural force that's killed these <laughs> nine people. Um, unfortunately for Yuri, the the one technically survivor who stayed in the the village. Oh yeah, um, I forgot about him. He was the lone survivor of the entire operation. Oh my god. And he died in 2013, knowing nearly nothing about what happened wow. to his friends that night. So
0: that's insane
1: yeah i also want
0: to do more research on all the other times that they've ever said the whole supernatural bullshit supernatural force I want to know how many times that fucking excuse was used and like what is the definition of that yeah
1: like if they're throwing it out like three or four times i'm gonna be like yo what's going on like out
0: you are just <laughs> blanketing but this if, <laughs> but if
1: somebody's like i got a ticket and they're like what i was walking across it like i jaywalked essentially but they said it was, i was an unnatural force against traffic yeah. then yeah in which yeah. case like yeah could be anything uh <laughs> Yeah, so that's the story of the uh, the Dyatlov Pass. Um, I personally, like I said, we're recording this a little bit earlier, but as this launches, I'll be brewing it that day. I'm fucking stoked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Imperial Black Lager with Spruce Tips. Um, should be a lot of Genius. fun. Yeah, I think it'll be really cool. I so. think
0: you've been talking about this for years now, so I'm glad you're finally getting to name a beer. <laughs> I just After. I'm sorry,
1: man. I love a good story. And I don't say that as like a derogatory comment to, you know, anybody who's suffered because of the story or mm-hmm. any sort of the victims of the tragedy involved for the friends, the families, the victims themselves. But it's a
0: good story. But that's that, yeah, not, that I don't is, think that means any, you know negative connotation no, on it.
1: I think those kind of stories hit you to where like it, it makes you think it, it like it challenges your your perception of reality a little bit. And it makes you kind of like look outside the box, and maybe open up to things like Yetis or sound waves or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And not saying that you'll fully believe it, but where you may not have 30 minutes ago, you might be doing it now. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely, I appreciate that one. It's just, I don't know, it's fucking Yetis. Classic <sighs> Yetis. And they're
1: murder, <laughs> but no. <I'm> just <laughs> 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 All right, so that was episode 10 of the Die Out Law Pass. Oh,
0: um, that was a goodie.
1: And then the uh, we'll have another news episode next week, episode 11 on Monday. And then following that, it's your turn, I believe. Yes,
0: it is. So
1: do you have something in mind? Or I do. Awesome. Are we talking serial killer? Or?
0: No, crazy enough. It is a... Da-da! Listener submission. Awesome. It's about a brewery that they went to in oh, Salem, shit. Massachusetts. Awesome. Fuck yeah. Damn,
1: dude. Right? Um, if you are listening to this, and obviously we're not paid because they don't know who the fuck we are, <laughs> uh, Aaron Mackey does a podcast called Lore um, and does one called Unobscured. They just finished an entire series on the Salem Witch Trials where they go into nice. the full Aspect of things if you've ever wanted to fully I understand that. I
0: love that type of stuff. Yeah,
1: definitely check that one out. Love, uh, it, love If it, you love like it. creepy, spooky, definitely go there. We're, and and if uh, if you do, tell them that we sent you because maybe they'll pay attention to us. <laughs> <laughs> really cool. So. Notice us. Notice me. <laughs> Witness me. <laughs> well, anyway. guys, let's. Uh...
0: That's it, right? That's all all you got? got? Oh, that was great. Good story, Chris. Yeah,
1: huge thanks to uh, Sticker Wolf. Huge thanks to anybody who's left a uh, review on Apple. Um, If you have the time, do it now. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, I know that's at least 34% of you uh, because I'm a creeper and I look at demographics. Uh, And then... Another one, thank you to Whippoorwill, um, who was kind enough to sell me these bottles at nine in the morning and not look at me judgingly uh, <laughs> as I brought these in for uh, for our podcast. That's awesome. So, if you're in Orlando, check them out. They're an Absolutely. awesome local bo- or bottle shop. Yeah. And they well have coffee, a, too. Yeah, coffee shop, too. So, uh, there's no reason not to mooch off their Wi-Fi and fun something of them put in your face. So. <laughs> all right. So, with that being said, um, I'm all out of dolls. Can I borrow two dolls?
0: <sighs> Here you go. Here's two dolls.
1: She physically made a hand motion to hand it to (laughs) me, and girls. Dead.
0: Dead.